Cuca College bears no responsibility and makes no contribution to the content of this podcast. All unique intellectual property Heron is exclusively created and owned by James Murphy IV. All opinions implied or expressed herein are exclusively those of James Francis Murphy IV and do not represent the opinions or practices of Cuca College or its employees or staff. Hi, everybody. For this podcast, I'm going to talk about one of my secret hobbies, basically. Something that I have been studying on and off just whenever I feel like it for the past couple of years now. Just something that I've really, really enjoyed doing. And it is my secret love and passion to learn about the complicated world of baseball statistics. I mentioned this in my first podcast as something I'm passionate about, and I really do mean that. I have been slowly becoming more um, well-versed in different baseball statistics, learning various different things, what different things mean, and just what I feel like would help, not help me, but what I feel like would be interesting to learn about in the world of baseball. But one of the first things that I want to talk about with this is just how, um, how I started this. And I started to really try to uncover like baseball statistics and learn a lot about baseball after the 2017 playoffs. If those, if you're familiar with baseball, you know that as the playoffs where the Houston Astros cheated and they won the world series over the Dodgers. Um, I really started to become interested in 2017 because that was the year that my two favorite teams played, which are the Nationals and the Yankees, and they both played in the playoffs. The Nationals lost in the National League Division Series to the Cubs, and the Yankees lost in the American League Championship Series to the Astros. But that's enough about where it started at. This is just a very complicated subject to get into because there are a lot of different aspects to look at and there are a lot of different places where you can find these data. You can find metrics for things like pitching, fielding, hitting, and base running. And I desperately want to talk about all of them. If I'm going to keep this podcast a little bit shorter than I feel like I could make it because if I really wanted to ramble on about baseball, I feel like it could probably go to about an hour or so if I try to. There's a lot to talk about with these, and there's a lot to unpack. So, um, one of the main things that I think was important to talk about with this is, first of all, the websites that go into baseball statistics. There are two main ones. There are a couple other ones, but these are the two main ones when you're just looking at pure statistics and not, like, player-to-player things. But... It, there's two different websites, one of which is known as Baseball Reference and the other of which is known as Fangraphs. Um, baseball Reference is generally considered as like the one where you just need to go for more broad statistics. Uh, baseball Reference is more so just a giant mountain of data, as with all the other reference websites, because there's one for just about every sport you have. Ones for college athletics, uh, the NFL, the NBA, uh, soccer, and uh, baseball and racing, if you're into any of that. But baseball is probably one of the largest ones just because of how far back the sport has gone since ba- since 
most baseball stats go back to even like the 1870s and 1880s if you look hard enough. But I just feel like it's probably the best place for when you're looking for something specific. They have just about every game log from most games since the 1900s where you can see exactly what happened on what date. If you're looking to see what the Philadelphia Phillies played and who they played on August 21st, 1976, you could find that. In fact, I will find that right now on Baseball Reference. But it just has thousands and thousands of things to go through. It's just very interesting, in my opinion. The other one is Fangraphs, which is a little bit more nuanced. Since Baseball Reference is more generally like agreed upon as it, it goes through every sport, um, this one is less so. It's more of a local thing. It has a lot of differences between base reference and a lot of the similarities between them. Also, just to clarify, on August 17th, 1976, the Phillies faced the Montreal Expos and won 11-3. Um, but one of the biggest differences between Fangraphs and baseball reference as a whole is a statistic known as war. War itself is is short for wins above replacement. Wins above replacement is basically baseball's attempt to measure a player's overall value at every aspect of the game, whether it's a hitter or a pitcher, compared to a player that would be seen as replacement level. Um, the differences between the two types of wins above replacement are relatively subtle. Um, but the main part of it that's complicated is actually the formula for the whole thing. Um, for baseball reference alone, the formula for it is three different equations long, all of which to determine what some of the things mean. Uh, one of which is actually just determining what our war is. The other, which is determining what, uh, Weighted runs above averages, which requires WOBA, and WOBA itself is weighted on base average, which requires a massive, massive formula. I can't even begin to say how long it is, but it is. But the calculations for them are different, and they usually lead to rather subtle results. An example of the differences between the different wins above replacement values and what they can come up with uh, is what I'll is what I'll demonstrate here. My favorite player in the major leagues right now is a player for the Washington Nationals known as Juan Soto. He's a Dominican-born player and made his MLB debut in 2018. In 2019, he had arguably the best season of his career to this point, where. Uh, Baseball Reference had his wins above replacement at 5.1, which is considered all-star caliber, while Fangraphs had his wins above replacement value at 4.9. Another statistic that I want to talk about is OPS and OPS+. OPS is seen as a very surface-level batting stat, which combines the on-base percentage and slugging percentage of a player. On-base percentage, uh, in short, means... 
how often a player will get on in relation to his at-bats. A good on-base percentage is usually seen at around 350 to 350 or higher. Typically, an ideal one would be around 380 to 400, but dependent on other factors that might not be so attainable. And slugging percentage means bases per at-bat. Typically, these can be a lot higher than just one since on-base percentage is limited to one, but slugging percentage can go up to about four. But typically, a good slugging percentage is around 0.600 or so. But for reference, uh, a good on-base OPS is seen as around an 800 or higher. Uh, for reference, in 2019, my favorite player, Juan Soto, had an OPS of 949. The difference here is that there's an also a stat known as OPS+, Plus, which takes the uh, parks in which the player played at, um, the run environment, and the league, because the National League and American League in baseball actually hit differently due to the fact that the American League has a designated hitter, and the National League makes the pitchers hit for some reason. But Juan Soto, despite having a 949 OPS, which is seen as incredibly good, had an OPS plus of 143. When in 2018, the year before, where his stats were not as impressive, he had a 923 OPS, his OPS plus was 142 due to the fact that 2019 had a higher run environment. There's a couple more rudimentary hitting stats that I feel like are important to go over, one of which being ISO, also known as isolated power, which is a very simple metric used to determine how uh, how many home runs and how good a player's slugging percentage is compared to his batting average. And by that, I mean they take his slugging percentage and subtract it by, his by the player's batting average, and they'll get a number. Typically, a number above around 250 to 300 is seen as very good. If that's the case, then you're probably a prolific hitter who might be in the conversation for some awards as well. There's a couple other ones that I feel like are important to talk about as well, such as BABIP, which determines how lucky or unlucky a hitter is. It basically determines uh, how often a player hits the ball in play and when he does the batting average on that ball. So this is a way to gauge how unlucky or lucky a player is. Typically, if the BABIP of a player is between 250 and 350, it's sustainable for a full season. If it's above that or below that, then it generally means that they are semi or semi-lucky or semi-unlucky, depending on which side it goes to. For reference, and I'll go back to my favorite player, Juan Soto. His batting average on balls in play in 2019 was 312, which is generally seen as slightly lucky. But for other reasons that we'll get into, that might not have been the case in, in this scenario. Another important thing to mention, another important website to mention, actually, is a website known as Baseball Savant, which is one of the most interesting websites, especially compared to Fangraphs or Baseball Reference. Ba Fangraphs and Baseball Reference mostly determine players' stats and try to determine their value, in a sense. Baseball Savant actually takes all the players and sorts them via percentile ranks for certain things such as fielding, hitting, or pitching. 
for reference, I'll go back to my favorite player, Juan Soto. Through 2021, which has been a short season so far, the Nationals themselves have only played about six games. But in terms of things such as average exit velocity, expected weighted on-base average, barrel percent, walk percent, hard hit percent, whiff percent, and sprint speed, Juan Soto is above average. And it actually shows you all these things on a 0 to 100 scale to determine what players are elite at some things and what players are not. Typically, above 50, or as they say in the red, is very good, and below 50, or in the blue, is rather poor. But sometimes you don't need to be prolific at everything to be successful in baseball. The last part of this that I'm going to talk about is arguably my favorite statistics to look at, just because they're just kind of interesting. And they're all to do with catchers. The first of which is framing. Framing is basically a fancier word, which means lying to umpires. Lying to um doesn't necessarily mean lying, but it's basically taking pitches that are either outside of the strike zone or just kind of in between, could be a borderline call, and very slightly moving your glove to position it to where you might get a better call and have the pitch actually be a strike. This can significantly help pitchers who might have thrown pitches just ever so slightly off or just missed by just a little bit and just help them out a little and just help them out. And it'll, it proves pretty effective. According to Baseball Savant, uh, the best catcher in in the league in terms of framing was Austin Hedges of the San Diego Padres, who through 2,684 pitches saved 15 runs for his team on defense with his framing ability alone. Second place was Tyler Flowers, who had 14, and then a number of other catchers who all had number of other ones, such as J.T. Romuto for the Phillies, who had 8 in 7th place, Brian McCann, who had ninth for, 9 for the Braves in 6th, Christian Vazquez for the Red Sox, who had 11 in 5th, and Yasmani Grandal for the Brewers in 4th, who had 12. And it just shows that all these different players just help their team a lot just by virtue of just lying or just moving their glove ever so slightly to try to trick umpires, basically. It's amazing that through the use of statistics, things like these can be actually measured currently. Because if you were to ask somebody even 20 years ago what catcher framing was, they would not know what you're talking about. And it just shows how far baseball statistics have come in the last 10 years alone. Another important one is pop time, which is when a catcher is trying to throw out a runner uh, when they're trying to steal a base. Typically, it's measured between when a runner is trying to steal second base from first. It's the measure of the pop of the ball in the catcher's glove and then the pop of the mitt in the middle infielder's glove when they're trying to tag the runner out. Typically, due to the fact that catchers are one of the most precise positions on the baseball diamond 
typically a tenth or two seconds is massive in the scheme of this. So the average in 2019 was about two seconds. The best in 2019 in terms of average pop time was JT Ramuto, who had 1.89 seconds. So the difference between good and average was about point, uh, 0.11 seconds, which just shows how precise you have to be. It's very interesting to see that just to show how strong catchers' arms are. And I feel like that that's what makes catchers one of the most interesting positions in baseball. Anyway, that's going to do it. I would go on a little bit longer, but I didn't want this to be massively long. I feel like I could talk about this for ages, but baseball statistics are very in-depth and have a lot of different moving parts to them. So I'm going to cut this off here. But thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you learned a little bit about baseball statistics, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.